Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Jericho Road Church, beautiful family. It is so good to be here. Uh, thanks for joining us here as we worship and refresh uh, in the Lord together. So let's uh, do a little bit of shouts. Uh, what do we do? We love God and we love others. And what do we say? I love God and I love you. So uh, it's an absolute joy to be here with you this morning. I'm so glad. Uh, I want to thank Pastor Peter for uh, speaking last week on angel encounters. He's like an angel when he's up here, isn't he? He's like a beautiful, amazing angel, Pastor Dr. Peter, uh, speaking life into us last week. So, so great to hear from him. Uh, so thank you. Thank you, Pastor Peter. Uh, today we're looking at another angel encounter, but this time the angel uh, both helps and gives a message. But before we get to that, I got to share uh, a little bit of a fail this week that I had. Um, on Monday, uh, I had to take my uh, my new used Honda. I have a 2002 Honda. Had a recall. They sent me an urgent notice in the mail. It said if you don't replace your airbag, metal shrapnel could fly out and kill you. Like literally said that on a flyer. Who says that, right? I was like, oh. So uh, I make an appointment to head down to the Honda dealer last Monday. Monday's my sort of like unofficial day off. I but I, I kind of work half the day, but kind of chill that day. So I was like, cool. But on the flyer, it said like, come down and you get a free loaner car. And I was like, ooh, a loaner car. You know what we do to rentals, right? Oh, I can't wait to like, see if it, you know what happens when you throw it in reverse when you're already going 20. Like, you don't want to try your car, but you don't mind trying on the loaner, right? And so I couldn't wait. I was excited to get my loaner. And so uh, I drive down there and then I get there and they're like, yeah, sorry. The loaner program is no longer available. And I was like, kind of bummed, you know? And then I was like, plus I'm like frustrated. I got to come down here. And I was like, oh, that's a bummer. They're like, but we'll drive you home. And I was like, oh, cool, I guess. <laughs> no burnouts, but it's fine, you know? And then they're like, uh, okay, just uh, wait. So I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. Like 20 minutes later, still waiting to get driven home. And, uh, and as I'm sitting there, the porter, the porter's the, like the guy who, really the, the driver and the go fetch guy, right? So he comes up and he's like, uh, sir, I know I'm supposed to drive you home right now, but would you, uh, my manager asked me if I could ask you if you wouldn't mind if I, I ran an urgent errand first. And I was like, ooh, an urgent errand for the, for the haunted. I don't even know what that would be, like, but it sounds important, you know? And so I was like, um, yeah, I guess so. It's already been 20 minutes. I think, how long could that take? And so I say, sure, you know. A little peeved, though, because I didn't get my loaner already, so I'm a little already chappy, right? So then asked me to, okay. Fine, whatever, you know, since it's really urgent. And so I'm waiting 20, 30, 40 minutes, right? So 40 more minutes, I'm waiting there. Now it's been an hour. So you know as you wait, you get more and more patient, right? <laughs> At least as an old person, that's how it works, right? The, the longer I have to wait, the kinder I get, the gentler I get. So I'm sitting here. I've, st I've stretched twice, you know, and that's how, like, bad it's gotten. And, and, uh, and, and then I'm sitting there, and I'm on my phone, and then I happen to look up, and I see the porter walk in, and he's carrying two IHOP food bags. And I was like, urgent, urgent, urgent. And then I get this like indignation, you know, that like I'm already kind of like frustrated from sitting around this long. And then, and then he asked me, because he had to go on an urgent errand to get food for the manager. I'm not going to stand for this. So I get up, and he's kind of far, and I was like, hey. The louder than I thought it was going to be, I was like, hey, and I'm, now I'm committed. So I go over there, I'm like walking towards him. He's trying to walk to the lounge really fast, like carrying this stuff. I was like, hey, are you serious? And so my tone's up, agitated, a little louder than I want to be. I'm like, are you serious? Like food's more important. And then the, 
Now manager lady cuts in, and that's always great, you know? When I'm talking to this guy, she cuts in. Oh, he was doing blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? You too? <laughs> so I start to like, I said, are you kidding me? Like, that's more important than customer service. I'm about to like go full Karen mode, right? And I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy. So I was like, forget it, whatever. And I just walk outside to the outside, you know, and I was like, oh, wait outside for it, you know. I was like, oh, I, hope, I do hope he comes to drive me home. <laughs> so I stand outside. I didn't want to go too crazy, but I was already a little crazy, a little mad, you know. And then so he comes by, and then, uh, you know, do you still want to ride home? <laughs> yeah, I want to ride home. It's like some young kid, you know, he's like 20 years old or whatever. Get in, and then I was like, you know, man, I know it's not your fault. Your manager told you to do that. That's not right, you know. She shouldn't be doing it. She's a power trip to tell you to do something. How do you, uh, so I sort of vent on him a little bit, but it's not your fault, man. It's not your fault. It's cool. Drop off, fix my car, call it back. Same guy comes to pick me up, get in the car, and then I was like, hey, how's it going? She says, it's good, it's good. And then, you know, like a little bit small chat, uh, but I wasn't thinking anything like, I know maybe I'm supposed to be pastoral all the time, but I don't always feel pastoral. <laughs> so I wasn't thinking about it. And then all of a sudden he goes, so what do you do for a living? <laughs> now, I don't say a lot of bad words, and I certainly didn't say any out loud. But I am not telling you if I did or didn't say anything inside my head. Like, oh. And then I was like, lie? Probably lie, right? Lie's better, right, God? This is all happening in a flash, right? So I should probably lie because I screamed in his Honda dealer. You know, like, so he'd probably lie. I said, oh. I said, uh, I work at a church. <laughs> like, try to, like, try to, like, you know, like, just... Just be general like that. Oh, really? What do you do at the church? <laughs> you little punk. Said I'm the pastor of the church. <laughs> oh, guilt. Silence from him. I'm like, now I'm like, I, I hate me. Sorry, God. Should I invite him? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, probably not. So I didn't. And uh, sort of changed the subject. And then uh, I get home uh, after, you know, Monday. And in the second half of the Monday, I kind of do some work. So I pulled up the, the uh, verses for the sermon. And then I, uh, I, I realize what I'm preaching about this week. <laughs> and it's these verses right here. So let's see them. We're looking at the earliest moments of Christianity. Jesus had returned to heaven, and the apostles, they were, they were out preaching. They were just telling what they saw. And thousands of people were converting daily. And then this happened in Acts chapter 5. Then the high priest and, and, and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, they were filled with jealousy. And they arrested the apostles, and they put them in public jail. So they're jealous because thousands of devout Jewish people, not just like culturally Jewish people or like ethnically Jewish people, religiously Jewish people, thousands upon thousands in the last few weeks, last few days, have been becoming Christians all in the city of Jerusalem. And these aren't just regular Jews. They're Jews who had come to the city of Jerusalem for the Passover. So they're very devout religiously. And thousands upon thousands were becoming Christians. And so the religious leaders acted the day before. The day before they had arrested the apostles. 
the day before they, they ordered them to stop speaking, and yet the next day they were out there speaking again, and they got furious. That week, the apostles faced their first test as followers of Jesus after his resurrection. This was the first time that they had faced injustice and harassment and imprisonment. And that's the moment they had an angel encounter. So the first time they got arrested, they got released. They kept doing it. Second day they got arrested, and then they have this angel encounter. But during the night, next couple of verses, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. So in their angel encounter, they're freed, but they're freed with a purpose. They're given a message from the Lord to tell the people about salvation in Jesus, to talk about the new life that they have in him. So the angel says, you're going to be freed from this prison so that you can share the good news. You're going to be freed from your bonds so that you can share the good news of Jesus. Sounds awfully familiar to songs that we sing, to things that we believe. We will be freed by God so that we may speak the good things of God. And the angel tells them to continue to do what they're doing. And don't worry about the repercussions. So just for your example, giving a message from the Lord, that's the primary job of an angel. In fact, angel in Greek is angelos, and it just literally means messenger. So here's what happens. At daybreak, the apostles enter the temple courts, as they'd been told by the angel, and they begin to teach people. So they had faced adversity, and when given the opportunity, they obeyed. They didn't get upset. They weren't offended that their day was ruined, that they were put in jail. They weren't, they weren't mad because something bad had happened to him, or they were inconvenienced, or that their ride home was delayed by an hour, like I did. They didn't hinder their witness by seeking their own interests or, or with a poor, petty attitude. Could have had it. How dare you arrest me? What am I doing? Blah, blah, blah. Their reaction to an unjust interaction was to remain faithful and obedient. I got home from the Honda dealer last Monday, and I realized that I'm preaching on this verse this coming Sunday. And all I felt was guilt and conviction. And I'm reminded to not let adversity hinder my witness even or especially small adversities. Because uh, I think it's the little adversities, it's the, the small slights that inordinate causes this inordinate anger that, that is, doesn't match the level of the slight or the level of the hindrance or the level of the inconvenience. We quite easily can blow our top over the smallest of things. I think most of us, the big stuff is almost easier because it's so obvious and it, it has, it's consequential, but the little stuff, it sneaks in and it trips us up time and time again. Big suffering on a missions trip, oh man, I'm ready for that, no problem. But the, the suffering in the office or uh, a slide at home or something happens even on the freeway causes us to lose our mind. But the apostles, they keep honoring God with their attitude and their obedience. Let's see it. In Acts 5.21, when the high priest and the associates arrived, 
they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel. And then they sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers didn't find him there. So they went back and they reported like, look, the jail's totally locked. The guards are standing at the doors, but when we opened the doors, we found no one inside. And on hearing that, the captain of the temple guards like, I don't know. The chief priests were at a loss. They're like, where'd they go? I don't know where they went. Wondering what this might lead to. So this angel encounter is wild. The apostles experienced the, the miracle. They walked out of the jail. They thought the doors were open. They walked out, didn't see any guards, get to obey the next day. But on the guard side of it, nothing had happened. They stood there the whole night. The guard shift happened. No one got out. It remained locked. It was like a, you know, like a cloaking device or like they got that Harry Potter cloak and they threw it over themselves and the, the angel stuck them out. I don't, I don't know how it worked. But from one side, nothing had happened. And the other side, this amazing miracle had happened. Then someone comes up and they said, they said, look, the men you put in jail, they're standing in the temple courts teaching the people again. At that, the captain went with his officers and he brought the apostles. Now, they didn't use force because they feared the people would stone them. So here's this guy, that, he, go get those apostles. But the apostles are really liked. They've been doing, people are getting healing. There's thousands and thousands of new Christians. They're super excited about their faith, super passionate. They're all, but they keep arresting their leaders, keep arresting the leaders. And uh, chief guard, he's like, I know how that goes. So he just goes, hey, could you guys just please come with me? You know, I'm not going to use any force. Just come with me. I don't know about this supernatural stuff going on. That's scary. The people are scary. So could you just come with me, please? No force, no handcuffs, no other thing. And the apostles agree. The apostles are brought in, in the next section, and, and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. This is uh, Acts 5.27. The high priest says, We gave you strict orders to not teach in his name. Yet you've filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you're determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles, they replied this. Fantastic. We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on the cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We're witnesses of these things. We saw it. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So they are adamant about Jesus, convinced that they'd seen the resurrected Jesus in the flesh. Now you've got to realize who they're speaking to. They're speaking to the highest authority in the land. So the, the Romans are over them, but none of the Jewish people like the Romans. The Romans are the conquerors. So they don't care about the Roman people. Who do they care about? They care about the, the ruling council of their religious folks because they were a theocracy before this. And so who's the highest, highest persons in the impossible to, a, to an adult Jewish man at this time? The highest other persons in your community, in your culture, in your society is this ruling board of Jewish men, the Sanhedrin or the Pharisees. And they talk about the Bible and they talk about God all the time. And you're supposed to respect them. And here they are speaking against them. They've been taught their entire lives to listen to this council. Yet here they are, ordinary men, fishermen, tax collector. Nobody had religious education. Giving their testimony, even though they are being issued very real threats. They're sharing their faith even to their superiors. They're sharing their faith, and they speak even though it would be socially awkward to do so. They're, they're sharing their faith even though it's culturally inappropriate to talk up this way. 
because they know Jesus and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They simply reply when, when questioned, I'm sorry, I know you gave that ruling, but I've got to obey God, not you, rather than human beings. I've got to obey God rather than human convictions, norms, or practices. I think that's a, an excellent principle. Whenever we face any difficult or frustrating or unjust situation, you know how to handle that? You just obey God. Don't take it personally. Don't, don't fight it for yourself. Just obey God. And look at this great reaction. I'm sure the rulers are going to say, awesome, right? Let's see. When they heard this, they were furious. Mm. And they wanted to put them to death. Oh, that's very serious. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, he stood up in the Sanhedrin and he ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. And he addressed the Sanhedrin. He says, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thudius appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He got killed and all his followers were dispersed and, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census, and he led a band of people to revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you this. Leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it's going to fail. But if it's from God, then you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. And he was right. It cannot be stopped, not then and not now. And that's an amen. His speech persuaded them, and they called the apostles in, and they had them flogged. <laughs> they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So their angel encounter got them flogged. Yeah, what a blessing. I love meeting angels and obeying. They stood up for Jesus, and they got beaten. No apologies, and no justice. What do they do now? They're going to do two things. They're going to rejoice, and they're going to disobey. Check it out. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple court and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. How did they respond to backlash, to punishment by the authorities, to having the rights of their rights as Christians questioned? The first thing that they do is they rejoice because they thought, well, Jesus thinks I'm worthy enough to suffer just a little bit for him. Now, that's not how we view suffering. But maybe it's how we ought to view suffering. They, they stood up for Jesus and they were light in the darkness. So because of their faithfulness, they could rejoice no matter the result. Did you catch that? Because they acted rightly, they could rejoice no matter the outcome or result, positive or negative. You see, that's it as Christians. When we follow Jesus rightly, when we place him first, not our own decisions or feelings or intentions, then we can rejoice no matter the outcome. Earlier this week, I 
I hindered my witness because I was looking out for me and my desires, not God's. If I'd looked out for him, then the result could be rejoicing, even if I was inconvenienced and had to wait an hour to get home and the Honda people got IHOP for lunch. It wouldn't have mattered if I had God things on my mind. It wouldn't matter if I'm inconvenienced. I could rejoice because I had God on my mind. And then I could have had a totally different conversation when that guy picked me back up and drove me back to the... And perhaps he could have been sitting here. But I didn't. And say, sorry, God. You and I can rejoice in all circumstances only if we are living for God, walking His path, and honoring Him in both the big and the little things. See, I didn't end that encounter rejoicing with the Honda guy because I didn't act in a way that God wanted me to. Had I, and maybe that Honda guy says, you're an idiot, get out of my car. And I'm like, yes, rejoice for the Lord. <laughs> or maybe he says, that's nice, and he thinks about it. Maybe it moves him along on his spiritual journey. Or maybe he said, I'd love to join you at church. I, I don't know what it had been, but no matter what he had said, I could have rejoiced. But because I was not faithful, even in the little things, I can't rejoice at the outcome, good or bad. So that's the first thing. They rejoice in the circumstance because they had obeyed and been faithful. And the second thing they did was they disobeyed. They disobeyed the rulers so that they could obey God, so that they could follow the message delivered through the angel encounter. They disobeyed despite the anger of the religious leaders. They disobeyed even though it went against popular opinion at the time. Even though there was going to be some ramification if they disobey. They kept sharing about their interaction with God. They kept teaching people and talking about the goodness of God's love. Kept teaching about the joys and wonders of relationship with God. They obeyed. And so I think about us. Has, has anyone here ever heard the message of God in your life? I'd say most of us. Has anyone in this room, believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? I would again say most of us. Anyone ever heard that, that we're called to tell others this truth? Not just the apostles, but each of us are called to tell this truth. Have you ever heard that God wants you to testify about him to those that are around you to share his good news with others? Yeah? You've heard that message too? So what's stopping you? Popular opinion? Laws, your own interests, a fear of discomfort. Maybe you'll lose your job. Might lose some friends. Possibly. But what can you gain? A harvest of souls transferred from death to life, from hell to heaven, from enemies of God to sons and daughters, slaves to free. You could gain the ability to rejoice no matter what happens. You could be part of God's story in another person's life. I don't think that that porter guy was an angel in disguise, but he was a helpful Honda dealer. I don't think he was an angel in disguise, but God used him to get my attention off myself onto God. And maybe that's what God's doing in you right now at church. Look, 
I'm certainly not an angel of God. But, but I know I want to respond to God's message like the apostles. They didn't hear the message and get out their list of excuses or reasons why they can't do the thing that they were asked to do. They just obeyed. But they're not stupid. They know there's ramifications. They just got flogged for it. And yet, when they have an angel encounter, when they hear God's message, they just obey, even if there's another flogging tomorrow. And I, I want to have that kind of attitude, and I want that for each of us as well. So for you, this week, there's going to be a meeting. There's maybe going to be a, an incident or a fight you get into or a random encounter. There's going to be a, a parent at your kid's baseball practice that you're sitting next to that's going to give you a chance to share Jesus if you're willing to God and honor God in your actions and you don't disqualify your own witness by being so self-absorbed or self-obsessed. There's going to be a chance in every single person's week this week for you to share Jesus, I promise. If you look for it, if you're open to hearing and obeying, you will have the opportunity so be faithful in the little and obey when God asks you to speak. Then no matter whatever the result is of that, you're going to be able to rejoice. So you get fired from your job. Oh, thanks, Pastor Sam. You get to rejoice. You get side-eyed by some random person. Mm, religious weirdo. You get to rejoice. Because you shared someone, their eternal life has changed this week you get to rejoice. So you may get both positive and negative results, just like the apostles did. Thousands saved, but they got imprisoned and flogged. Either way, they rejoiced in both situations. When people were coming, when the church was growing, people putting their faith in Jesus, they rejoiced. Got beat up, got imprisoned, they rejoiced. So either way, because they were faithful and obeyed, they were able to rejoice. Faithfulness will bring both uh, positive and negative. And we get to rejoice one way or the other if we're faithful and we obey. So sometimes I wonder like if every Sunday, every time the Word of God is opened, if, if maybe there's not angels speaking to us even now. For sure the Holy Spirit is speaking. Whenever we open the Word of God, the Holy Spirit helps us understand. But I, but I also wonder if, if angels aren't helping to deliver that message to us. That, that we aren't all having angel encounters even this morning. God brought you to church. You got here on time, relatively. You got here safe. And God had something to say to you if you're willing to listen. Are we willing to obey? And I wonder if the angels aren't speaking to us in a myriad of ways, in a myriad of encounters kind of cool to think about. So let's close our time. We're going to sing a worship song to God and the God who we can put our trust in that if you're ob obedient, then you can rejoice, good or bad. So would you stand with me and we're going to sing a song.